Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, I'm Tim Eccles, Vice Chair of the Public Service Commission. You hear me every week here on Energy Matters. I am down at Tech Square, as we call it, 75 Fifth Street, Georgia Economic Development. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff going on down here. I'm with David Knuckles. David, this bridge, that Fifth Street bridge that, that comes across from Georgia Tech, has really enabled, I think, this area to just blossom. You're absolutely right, Tim. I think about back to the history of Tech Square even, is that there's a lot of things that have happened in the last 20 years to really make this area grow into what it is now and and, and really put Atlanta on the map, not just from a regional standpoint, but now as a major tech hub in the country here, which has been a great thing to see here. Yeah, so you, you walk through the building, you see a number of companies, whether Southern Company, International Paper, others who have innovation centers, hubs, labs, why is it important for corporate partners like that to be thinking about innovation and for you all to be in this, you know, in, in, in similar proximity? You know, really the focus on innovation really looks at talent. You think about Georgia Tech being right next door to what's going on here. Having access to that talent pool right here in your backyard is really important for those corporate partners that are here as well. And, and also to be able to drive innovation. We're all looking for what is the next big thing to come out. And we all know that um, as, as the things continue to change in our businesses and in our, in our world even, um, there's always a need for innovation. And so being right next to a large research university makes a big impact for those corporate partners here. Yeah, and all our listeners from around the world and, and other parts of the country like California, you may think it's an accident that we're getting lucky landing all of these businesses, but there's a lot of strategy involved. And let me just start, David, by asking you, what is this center and what role does it play in helping business? So thanks, Tim. So uh, the Center of Innovation is a unique program of the Georgia Department of Economic Development, and I get the privilege every day to serve as executive director and really work with a great team of industry experts as we kind of help move companies forward. Our mission is very simple. It's to clear the path for innovation and growth and help companies by providing expert advice and that navigation to the right resources. And as we talk more, I'm sure that'll that'll be clearly to you here. Um, but really, our job is to grow companies here in the state, help them find new resources to be more successful, and then hopefully you know, add more jobs and add more investment here to keep the state moving forward. You know, I regulate energy with my colleagues down at the Public Service Commission. We think about energy every day. Do you find as you're talking to companies around the country, companies in the state, that energy 
and the cost of energy, the reliability of energy, is it a top 10 factor, top five factor? How important is it? I do think it's an important factor. And I think particularly a lot of companies will always look at sustainability too. What is that energy mix they're using and how can they be more effective there as well? And so um, energy as, a, as an input cost um, is, is very much an important factor. And, and of course, Georgia's very blessed to have, have such a good mix here and, and very good to have, to have that here. But yeah, energy is an important factor. I don't know where it ranks in the top 10 or so, but I'd say it's definitely a factor that we do hear about. Folks may think we're lucky to have a diverse a set of energy uh, you know, sources or energy portfolio, but there's no luck at all involved with it because we do 20-year planning. We have a strategic plan, and we want to make sure that we've got this diverse mix. I mean, look, look no further than what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, and you can see the volatility of a single source, in this case, Russian natural gas. Gas is ticking up. We're exporting more. Europe is looking for another place to get it. So you never know when something is going to happen and one type of energy is going to be impacted. That's exactly right. And we see that not only in the energy side, but in other parts of the companies that we support too, is really in that disruption, the volatility, um, and the need to always diversify. And that can be from an energy mix to also in the supply chain side of things to having a diverse amount of suppliers and domestic suppliers as well as international, more so domestic in the last in the last couple of years. I think the pandemic has really caused that that to move that direction. But um, yes, I think you're, you're exactly right there on that side. You know, uh, folks have heard about Rivian, of course, uh, the largest single economic development project uh, that, that Georgia's landed. So let me ask you about specific industries that you're focusing on. Is it just technology? Is it fintech? Is it medical? Uh, is it manufacturing? What What is your focus? So really, at the Center of Innovation, you know, we focus in six key industries. Those are aerospace. Uh, our newest one is agricultural technology, energy technology, information technology. We like the word technology, uh, logistics and manufacturing, and really look at. I think about you think about what we do as a center. I'll back up to that a little bit too. Is that uh, we kind of do two key two key things. The first thing that we do is build key industry ecosystems. So we look at each one of these industries and say, hey, what are, what's going on in Georgia here already? What companies are here? What research is here? And then also, and then what's the future of that? What does that look like? What, what are those innovations that are occurring there? And then how can we help kind of play a role to make that uh, be more successful here? I'll give an example to, to kind of paint the picture here is, in 2009, which seems like a long time ago now, um, our aerospace team began work in the unmanned systems or drone drone industry. And um, what you may not know about that is that you could not fly commercially until t- 2014. So five years ahead of that, uh, we pulled together a group of, um, of industry experts, research experts, the FAA, the federal government resources that are that are needed to, to do this activity as well, and so, say, what do we need to do in Georgia to be successful? And so from that, we put together a working group, which still meets quarterly, uh, even today, and really kind of pay, kind of lay the groundwork for companies to go about doing these kind of things in Georgia. So when the rules changed in 2014, uh, we were five years ahead of the curve. And so by having that kind of focus on the industry on the, on the industry ecosystem, we were able to help companies be successful. Another good case with that too is we have companies that are interested, interested in doing drones and agriculture, you know, flying over a growing season. And so. Uh, through our partnerships with university partners and others, we're able to help companies demonstrate new technologies, whether it's in aerospace or or in t- different parts of IT or manufacturing, whatever it could be. We've done some work recently in augmented reality and manufacturing, for instance, because as, as the workforce needs change, uh, we need to have more of that as well. And so really that's kind of what we do is focus on the industry ecosystem side of it, kind of build that as strong as it can be, and then use that expertise to help support companies. We recently featured an interview from Southern Oak, a Camilla solar farm. 
There's a lot in Mitchell County. There's a lot of solar farms down there. We've we've basically created a utility scale model, and it's gravitated to Southwest Georgia because of cheap land, flat land, and proximity to substations. But they were using drones down there, going up and down the rows of solar, looking for dead cells or bad panels. And these drones were almost, they were going back and forth robotically. No one was, was flying it. Uh, it was, I mean, they, they were keeping it within the confines of the, the massive array. But these drones were helping that solar field to be more efficient. And we're seeing some people adopt technology like that in this area, too. You think about drones. I think about back to the agriculture example there was uh, we did a project back in 2013, so almost 10 years ago now, um, and had a company that was looking to do this over an entire growing season to look at cotton and peanut crops down in south, southwest Georgia and, and Moultrie, so similar to where you're talking about. And, and say, what do we see from the air? Do we see deficiencies? Do we see water deficiencies? Do we see drought? Do we see those kind of things that are necessary there? And really, we're able to use that technology to kind of ground truth what's on the ground there. So you're exactly right. When a solar farm, you can see a lot of things from the air that you couldn't see from the ground. And it's a lot easier to do that from the air as well. And so, uh, yes, helping companies adapt to new, new technology is a big part of that as well. This magnetic effect that you're talking about, as you, you know, like we have a lot of fintech here in Georgia. We're, we're getting more aerospace Companies. I mean, having a Gulf Stream uh, here in our state, having uh, you know a Lockheed, or uh, does like attract like, and and if so, why? I think, especially on the aerospace, I look at it this way: is that underneath every large OEM like Gulfstream or, or Lockheed Martin is there's several uh, hundreds of suppliers. Like on the aerospace industry, there's over 800 companies in Georgia that are in the aerospace industry. Um, you've mentioned a couple that are large, obviously, but there's so much more behind that that make the uh, the planes and the parts and the wings and the nuts that go into that, all the widgets that go into dashboards and those kind of things as well. And there's so much to that supply chain that's here as well. And so it's not just about the large companies. Of course, they're critically important to our economy, but there's so much kind of you know, ripple effect throughout the industry as well, um, all the way down to tier three and tier four suppliers as well. Same thing for automotive, any kind of big industry you see from that perspective. Just a couple of minutes left in this segment. I was recently down in Soperton, Georgia, uh, in Trutland County, visiting with LanzaJet, and they are going to be making sustainable aviation fuel. And to your earlier point, that companies are asking a lot of questions about sustainability. I mean, we're even seeing this now with aerospace, that the actual fuel itself is getting greener. That's exactly right. That's an area that we've been focused on from our team for at least the last seven or eight years as well. And and what does that biofuel look like for aerospace? But it goes beyond aerospace, too. I mean, I remember back in the fall, um, our team looked at, you think about, especially now with the current condition in Europe, a lot of the agricultural equipment uses diesel. Um, And so as the prices of diesel continue to grow and rise, you know, what about about electrification? of those kind of vehicles? What does that look like down the road? Is there other kind of alternative sources to be sustainable in those areas too? So there's a lot of ripple effect throughout the various industries here in Georgia too. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the suppliers for these companies. You think about what's happened in West Point, Georgia uh, with Kia and all of the surrounding suppliers, sometimes even creeping over over the Alabama line and vice versa with with Hyundai. So there's a, there's a lot of Uh, I guess, of cross-pollinization happening on this. When we come back, I want to talk to David 
about uh, how he works to connect industry and what time of what type of business support he provides. I want to talk about this article uh, that he's written. It's kind of future proofing and and how we do that on the grid. We'll talk a little bit about Berry College, his alma mater, too, and Martha Berry's uh, and Ford Motor Company's impact on Rome, Georgia. This is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. We'll be right back. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back with David Knuckles. I'm down at uh, 75 Fifth Street, and if you haven't had a chance to to walk around down here, I think you're going to be surprised. you got to walk across that bridge going over to Georgia Tech. you got to see the Candida Building, which has been nominated for one of the Energy Matters Awards that we'll be awarding uh, this summer. Uh, we'll see if they win. I mean, it is uh, probably the most energy efficient building in all of Georgia. And then just right next door to me, the NCR building. David, you had a chance to go into that NCR building? I actually have not yet. So I look forward to finding ways to engage on that side too. They got solar over there. They got a massive cistern under the parking deck where they collect all the runoff water slightly clean it pump it back up to every toilet in that skyscraper and flush every toilet with runoff water it is an amazing thing that sounds impressive very much so well we're talking about your role here uh at the at the center uh and we 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 talked about some of the things you guys do to connect businesses to kind of uh i'm calling it future proof but let me let me start with another example uh let me start with autonomous vehicles so drones uh we talked about how y'all kind of got ahead of the curve on that georgia i feel like is getting ahead of the curve on autonomous 
vehicles. And yeah, we don't really have any autonomous vehicles going up and down the highway now, but we will one day. You're exactly right. And one of our biggest assets we have here in the state is our two living laboratories here in the state. So uh, the one in West Point, Georgia, which is the Ray, it's a 17 mile stretch of highway along Interstate 85. And then also the Curiosity Lab in Peachtree Corner. So both of those environments allow for companies to test things, especially in Peachtree Corners. And they actually have an autonomous vehicle test track. And so if you're looking to get into that space, um, that's exactly the right place to engage there. And I think by having those here in Georgia, Georgia, uh, we're one, allowing for different companies to come in and test things, but also kind of setting, two, setting the stage for Georgia to be successful in this area, too. Our listeners may know that it was my motion um, that put the solar on the ray at exit 14. It was a, a Georgia Power self-build project, and it had to be motioned in. Uh, fortunately, my fellow commissioners supported us. We went back and added pollinators to that. So when you're driving south on I-85, you get off at exit 14, you can't help but see a full megawatt of solar just on the inside of the exit ramp. It really, David, it really has become something a lot of other states are looking at and wanting to do. And it's a great way to enter the state, too. If you think about from a visitor standpoint, especially if you're coming into that, that gateway from Alabama, I mean, what a great introduction to Georgia. At the visitor center there in West Point, you've got a solar vehicle, a solar electric vehicle charger. You've got a, the solar array in the roadway there in the parking lot, as well as a tire pressure monitoring station. So all types of new technologies that really kind of introduce you to Georgia and, one, and also what we're doing here in the state. David, you're working to connect industry. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost like you're a broker in some way or a concierge. I mean, do you ever feel like, hey, I'm a concierge? Uh, we do in some ways. And I think really, you know, we, we, we talked a good bit about sort of the high technology aspects of what we do, but I want to bring it down just kind of a simple example I think that will really resonate with your audience here too about sort of how do we help businesses in general and I go back to an example of a company that we supported about five years ago that we still stay engaged with today and that's Sweetgrass Dairy down in Thomasville Georgia so a small um, artisanal cheese manufacturer um, small business who had initial needs of of distribution they were growing and needed to figure out how do we go from kind of regional distribution between, between Georgia Florida Alabama to now more national distribution and and so we kind of began a conversation that's how it all starts It's kind of had this initial conversation of what are your real needs there uh, from that discussion with them we found out that really the real needs were a shelf life study they'd never done one before and so and of course as a small business who does that in the state that's kind of a question of you know how do we find the right resource and that's the role that we play and so we were able to find the right resource for them at the University of Georgia um, in, at the Griffin campus to do the study for them the results of that study allowed them to not only um, have better shelf life for their product they thought it lasted six weeks on their own the study proved 12 weeks, so almost double the shelf life, actually double the shelf life they, that they expected there. But that also opened doors for national for more distribution there. So they are now in, I think, 40 states, and it's a major retailers as well, and actually exported for the first time last year. And so I think this, I speak to that example in that, uh, one, to understand, we, we all like to understand what your needs are, and then try to find that best resource in Georgia. So that really much that concierge you're talking about as well. You know, it's really just old-fashioned Southern hospitality that we're talking about here. Just rolling out the red carpet for people, being gracious. I, I guess maybe a couple months ago, I uh, had a, a couple of Rivian people down from Washington, and they wanted to meet. They wanted to talk about chargers and some things that, that they were concerned about. Well, I'm an anchor member of the aquarium, so I have six season passes, uh, hard cards for the aquarium. So I said to them, hey, have you ever been to the George Aquarium? No, never been to the aquarium. I said, why don't we have our meeting there? And we went to the Georgia Aquarium. I walked them around. We sat in front of the big window, the best window in town there with those whale sharks. And 
we had a beverage there uh, in, in the dining area. And, you know, just rolling out the red carpet to say, look, we want to help you be successful. And that's exactly how we do it every day is that, you know, we help over 500 companies every year. And that's in every corner of the state from northwest Georgia to southeast Georgia. And really, that's what we want to do is, one, to understand what your challenges are. And then from there, help you to connect to the right resource, whether that's a university partner, another business in the state, other organizations like ourselves, because several in this category that kind of help move businesses forward. Um, and, and just kind of find ways for you to be successful. I mean, that's really our goal here. So I'd say for any business, you know, listening here that, um, yes, we have the areas of expertise and the ones that we've mentioned about already. But if you don't fall into those categories, that's fine, too. If you have a business challenge, um, let us talk to you and see if we can help you move forward here. Yeah, when you think about different types of business support that you would provide, uh, what are some things that come to your mind? You know, I think particularly the last couple of years, and this will probably speak well to your audience too, we've seen a lot of requests around supply chain um, and finding domestic suppliers. um, And they're kind of in the product development space too. Um, I think some of that came out of the PPE manufacturing that came out of 2020 in in the pandemic there. But really as uh, we've seen supply chain disruption, uh, people are looking for different ways to move their product around. So through our logistics team, we were able to help companies kind of identify new solutions there. So if you've done it always by truck and to try rail or a blended option there we can kind of help you evaluate that to see what's the best fit for you and then from the manufacturing side you know if you've always had say you've had international suppliers and now need to find domestic suppliers then uh, we have a good expertise in finding out who's doing what in georgia so if you need contract bottlers or contract manufacturers we can find those for you here in georgia as well to help you keep that business here locally and so i think that's a lot of what we've seen the last couple of years particularly just a couple of minutes left uh in this segment when you think about connecting industry and your role in helping to uh, connect them. Are there a lot of options? It really depends on what the needs are. I think sometimes there's a simple answer to that question, and sometimes there's not. There may only be one or two options. And so I think it really does depend on what the company's needs are. You know, as I think about EV charging, I mean, one of the things I'm being asked uh, and I'm hearing asked all around the country is, is the grid ready for a substantial amount of additional load? And so the way that we're asking uh, the power company this same question is, hey, is there anything that we could do, any incentives that we might provide to, say, an Amazon that might be pulling in with their 150 Rivian vans in the afternoon at 530 or 6 o'clock at one of their fulfillment centers and getting ready to charge? Is there anything that we can do to lessen the impact on the grid at that very second shifting that energy usage into the overnight hours before they have to actually start loading that truck for the next day next day of delivery i mean we want to make this grid work because the less number of power plants that we have to build the less energy that we have to acquire on the wholesale market the cheaper it is for everyone else so we want to keep these rates at 15 percent below the national average you're exactly right. I mean, that's something that we have to look at from our state, too. And so, um, you know, as far as the incentives go, we don't, from my team, we don't usually get involved in that conversation. So I'll definitely defer to others in the department that have more more information there. But really, I mean, I think back to the whole part of Georgia is that we're really good about finding ways to be pro-business and have a good pro-business environment there. And so I think it's solutions like what you're talking about that, that make that a good environment for companies to locate and then be successful here as well. 
Hey, let's talk about college just for a second as we wrap up this segment. I'm a triple dog, so I didn't get out much. Uh, but in the summers, I did go to Barry College for a student council camp that I was a, first a student at in high school and then a counselor at. And so I had a chance to spend a week or so on the Barry campus. Then it was the largest campus in the world. Uh, it was like 28,000 acres or something, but just a beautiful campus. And if folks have never been there, they're, they're missing a treat. It really is, and Tim, it still is the, the world's largest campus there in Rome. And, and you know, my family is one of those that's been fortunate to have not only myself go, but my father and my grandfather also go to Barry. And so we have quite a legacy there as well. And so, um, you know, the Barry campus is beautiful. The college is very uh, future thinking as well for a liberal arts college and a lot of good things over the last decade, particularly um, to really think about how do we make the college be more successful and, be, and even more adaptive to what's needed there. They've added things like a nursing program and a creative technology program to be more adaptive to the industry needs that are around them well as well but but yes definitely from the outdoor recreation perspective if you've not been to Barry's campus you're missing something out also in Rome as well. Martha Barry who the, uh, the college is named after really wanted students to work to have have kind of skin in the game uh, and, and I, I know many of my friends who've gone to Barry kind of consider it the Ivy League school of Georgia, but it's different from an Ivy League school because at Barry, they want you to get your hands dirty. That's exactly right. So I worked on campus all four years I was in, at school there. And then also, um, but you come out with more experience there. It's not just about the educational side. It's also the experience you gain from working there as well. And that's a different way to come out of college. Well, I really appreciate you being on Energy Matters today. How can people find out about Georgia Economic Development Online? So to connect with the Center of Innovation team, reach out to georgia.org slash innovation, and you'll find all of our resources there. Well, thanks a lot for being on. You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, stick around. We're going to be talking different types of alternative fuel. At the last segment today, we'll have an interview with Poet. We're not talking about poetry. We're talking about ethanol. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Logan Booker here, producer of Energy Matters, and I want to tell you about the Advanced Power Alliance. For more than 20 years now, the Advanced Power Alliance has been leading the energy transition in America's traditional energy states. They advocate for wind energy, solar power, and energy storage, all while partnering with traditional resources to ensure that America has abundant, affordable, cleaner energy to power our homes, our lives, as well as our economy. With the growth of solar and advanced storage and power generation technologies, every state now has the opportunity to be a leading energy state. Advanced Power Alliance is proud to partner with the Georgia Large Scale Solar Association and work with the Public Service Commission, Georgia Power, and their customers as Georgia continues to be one of America's leading renewable energy states. You can learn more about the Advanced Power Alliance at poweralliance.org. That's poweralliance.org. Reducing pollution from the transportation industry is an important goal, and few alternative vehicle fuels offer the distinct advantages of compressed natural gas. I myself drive an F-150 CNG pickup. Marlin Compression, part of Marlin Gas Services, is helping to usher in this clean energy future to the Port of Savannah, too. Not only is Marlin Compression a trusted provider of CNG for fleet fueling, they are also working with Port Fueling Center on a state-of-the-art CNG truck fueling facility. Learn more about the distinct economic and environmental advantages of using natural gas 
for trucking fleets of all sizes and explore all of Marlin services by visiting MarlinCompression.com. That's MarlinCompression.com. Calculate your savings today. Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters with my co-host Casey Boyce. Casey, how's it going? Good. Casey, I know people hear us and they know that we talk about electric cars a lot because I, that is a trend. Just a little bit. Coming. Before I was talking about electric cars, before I was driving an electric car, I was driving a 1998 Honda Civic that ran exclusively on natural gas and it had a range of 234 miles hmm. uh, we're going to later in the show we're gonna we're gonna talk about ethanol something that a lot of my friends love to pound on there are lots of different ways to power vehicles yeah so oh, it's interesting you had the the natural gas car and you drive one right now that i want to come back to and hear hear your experience on but um we before we went to electric vehicles um, my wife had a diesel uh, uh vehicle and it wasn't every time we filled up but we regularly uh, would fill up with biodiesel so it's basically you can burn it in a diesel engine it's made out of used cooking oil um, so you know literally this company that we were buying it from they'd go around to the restaurants get the used fryer oil and you do some chemical processes you make this biodiesel it smells like french fries um, and it was great renewable fuel when i was campaigning the very first time 2010 i was going door to door in Watkinsville, georgia and i looked down into a carport older neighbor a uh, little ranch home, and there was a guy pouring something into an old Mercedes out of a clear container. And I went, you know, why is he filling up his Mercedes in his yard with fuel? This doesn't make sense. Did he run out of fuel? So I go and I I was talking to him, and he said, No, no, I make my own biodiesel. Yeah. I have my own formula, and he had an old F two fifty with uh, an international harvester engine he said and i can run that vehicle on it too and he started talking about this number of parts of traditional diesel with a little bit of gasoline and then all of this kind of gray fuel this like you were saying this filtered out french fry oil and he was actually running his vehicles on this every day as a daily driver. Yeah, and there are a lot of enthusiasts out there that are doing that. It's, you know, are, are most of our listeners going to start making their fuel at home? Eh, probably not, right? But um, there, it's definitely possible, right? It's a fairly straightforward chemical reaction to do this biodiesel thing. Um, even natural gas, I mean, I, I, I've never driven a natural gas vehicle, but my guess is that while the kind of public filling stations are maybe few and far between, be interested in your experience on that, Tim, but uh, you know, I, I've seen that there are ways that you can install a home natural gas filling station. Yeah, yeah. The the truck that I'm driving, uh, produced by Ingevity, has this ANG technology, which is a basically a puck uh, of, of of like a hockey puck, but about uh, about a hundred times that big. But it's round, about the, that size, in the fuel tank, made of activated carbon, hmm. and so it is designed. To be able to get a home fueling device plugged into your natural gas system and then time fill it overnight or right. slow fill, uh, it would be like a level one EV charge uh, as we talk about with EVs. And the puck actually grabs the molecules 
uh, the methane molecules, and it allows you to put more in the tank at a low pressure huh. than you would normally be able to do, therefore giving you additional range, which solve part of the range anxiety issue. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, the other fuel that's out there and, and you know, I'll be honest, I, I've not seen any of these in Georgia, because this is mostly a California thing, is hydrogen. And, you know, for what it's worth, I feel like hydrogen is probably better suited for long distance transport than it is for the cars that you and I might drive. But I actually have a colleague who is on his second hydrogen powered vehicle out in California, and he loves it. And they've got fueling stations out there. I think, you know, there is the possibility, I've not seen anything on the market yet, but there is the possibility that you could conceivably generate your own hydrogen at home. All you have to do is split water into you know, oxygen and hydrogen, that could be another way of doing it. And similar to your natural gas truck, they've got these tanks that store the hydrogen compressed, right? And then um, usually rather than burning it, you can burn hydrogen too, but rather than burning it, they put it through a fuel cell and generate electricity. Casey, okay, you know, in my effort to learn about all of this, I remember back in 2012, uh, I got an invitation from a Georgia Tech grad who was officing their kind of around Doraville. He invited me to his his office, but he had this whole garage area, hmm. a laboratory. They were creating a little box that would attach to the back of a semi-cab. Okay. And it would create hydrogen and then bubble it into the diesel fuel. Huh. And as it bubbled it in, it increased the fuel economy by one mile per gallon. That's a big deal for a trucker. And so it was a tiny thing, a small thing, but not the traditional way people think about alternative fuels. Yeah. Well, and, and those blends, and I, you know, we'll talk about it, uh, I think, in this next segment coming up. But, you know, you can blend, as you said earlier, the biodiesel with diesel to get some sort of blend that'll work in your, your engine. We'll talk about ethanol coming up. You can blend ethanol with gasoline to get it working in a regular combustion engine. I wasn't aware of this hydrogen blend. Um, you know, I do know that you can use hydrogen. We've had... Uh, uh, you know, guests on the show before talking about hydrogen and power generation, um, but that's great that it can be used in those uh, traditional in uh, internal combustion engines. Casey, I've talked about the World Nuclear Exhibition that uh, that I attend every two years over in. Are, are we going to be talking about nuclear powered cars? France? We're not. No, okay. uh, I, don't, I don't think I don't think we are. But the <laughs> nuclear people were talking about hydrogen. Yeah, they were talking about using their power at night to create hydrogen for not only transportation, but to inject into the gas system at 5, 10, 15. Some were talking about a 40% mixture injecting into a methane pipeline. Uh, and to me, that would be a game changer if you started mixing it in at 40%. I mean, imagine if the Ukrainians uh, or the Germans or any of the others that maybe are dependent upon Russian natural gas had the ability to create create their own gas that acted in the same way that wasn't fossil generated. Yeah, that would be huge. And I, I love this idea, Tim, because people have been talking about the hydrogen economy for decades. I remember reading a book about it in the mid 90s saying it was just right around the corner and it's not happened. The thing that's changed between then and now is that we've got a lot of excess renewable power on the grid. And, it, you know, in that your case, what you're talking about with the nuclear expo, you know, nuclear plants like running at a constant rate. They don't like to be throttled up and down. Right. But you don't always need that power, particularly if you've got renewables that are producing more. So what are you going to do with that energy? Well, you know, one answer is to curtail it just turn it off. Um, but if it's there, 
why not make hydrogen out of it? And you can, as you say, you put it into the existing natural gas system and reduce the uh, CO2 emissions from that. Maybe you use it for transportation. It's a great opportunity to be just flexible and think about our power systems in a really different way. So I love that idea. I made a trip to Long Beach, California, uh, even before I took the oath of office, Casey, to see what they were doing in Orange County, California with waste management vehicles and how they were slow filling them overnight. And as those vehicles went into California neighborhoods to pick up trash, creeping along one to five miles an Mm -hmm. hour, running on natural gas, that was 12 years ago Mm -hmm. that I saw that happening. But clean energy fuels headquartered in Seal Beach, California, just around the corner, uh, they were they were the ones that were creating the mechanism to be able to do this. And not only fill waste management vehicles, but those super shuttles that you see out in California. Right, right. Go. So those were running on methane. But Casey, to your earlier point, at the clean energy stations in the LA area was one hydrogen pump per station. Hmm. And it was sitting over there and I asked, well, what does that cost? They said, no, it's free. If people, oh, no can, if people can afford the hydrogen car, we give them the fuel for it. And uh, they very, very well may have been getting a grant or getting some incentive. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. But they've got the pumps and they've had the pumps out there for 12 years to use hydrogen. It's just it's just an idea before it's time. And I mean, maybe we wind up with fuel cell vehicles uh, in, in the future uh, with certainly $5 diesel and $4 gas. People are clamoring for something different. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, fun story really quickly here. Um, one of the first EVs that I ever rode in was actually hydrogen powered. It was a, a experimental Mercedes B class. It's a little small thing that they've got in Europe, and uh, we were going to go out and and the guy from Mercedes was going to let a bunch of us drive it. Uh, but as we pulled out of the hotel, within a block, uh, we got lit up by a police officer, and the guy was freaking out because it was this experimental car. We had pulled a license plate off another car. He was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, we're we're going to get in a lot of trouble here." And the officer pulled us over because he had forgotten to turn on the lights. But as a result, this guy who was German was so freaked out that instead of going out into the hills and driving this thing around, we returned promptly to the hotel and I didn't get to drive it. Oh, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> we have just a minute left in our show, Casey. Uh, and we are going to talk about ethanol. And we really haven't talked about that in this segment. But we are going to talk about ethanol in the next segment. I've often said to my colleagues, look, we've got a fuel made in the South, refined at a Southern refinery, mm-hmm. trucked by a Southern truck driver and sold at a Southern gas station. I mean, that's pretty patriotic. Yeah, I, I love anything that keeps our money in the country even better if it's in the state. Well, coming up, uh, we've got Doug from Poet. And no, we're not going to be doing rhymes. Um, Don't you have an, an English degree? I do. I, I can do some poems. I do it for my fantasy football league. <laughs> it's, on, it's on our private Facebook page. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I have a good time. That's the only place I really do poetry. But this isn't that. This isn't that. This is an expert in ethanol. So stick around. We're going to talk about E85, E15, E10, and everything corn. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community 
by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, back on Energy Matters. Uh, Casey, uh, this is going to be kind of an exciting episode. We, uh, we don't normally have calling guests we have folks in the studio but in this particular segment uh doug bourbon uh from poet and we're going to tell everybody what poet is it's going to be on and tell us about the impact that ethanol is having across the u.s yeah glad to have doug here we haven't talked a lot about ethanol on the show so it's great to have him here getting us us and our listeners smart Uh, i recently was down at your facility as i was speaking to a rotary club down in camilla georgia Uh, but you guys have a footprint down there at an ethanol terminal and i saw train cars coming in uh and, and and having ethanol pumped out i saw trucks coming in tell us what the what poet is and what your facility in georgia does okay sure well thanks for having me tim appreciate it um so poet is the largest producer of biofuels in the world we have 33 bioprocessing facilities in eight states around the country and then we have uh two terminals also which do the storing and transporting of uh both uh, bioethanol and the distillers grains or the feed products that we offer uh, through the bioprocessing facilities. Um, we produce about 3 billion gallons of bioethanol on an annual basis. We produce about 14 million pound, 14 billion pounds of distillers grains on an annual basis. And then we also provide about 5% of the U.S. food grade CO2, so the bubbles in your uh, beer or soda may come from a poet facility. We also produce corn oil that goes to uh, renewable diesel, biodiesel, asphalt rejuvenators. We produce uh, hand sanitizer uh, and a number of other plant-based, uh, bio-based materials. So that's a little bit of our footprint. Doug, when I was uh, touring your facility some years ago when you guys were actually producing ethanol, I learned about this distiller's grain at the back end of the plant because I had had people kind of mock me a little bit for using E85 in my state vehicle. I would go to great lengths to use uh, E85 uh, and run uh, on that corn ethanol uh, at 85%. And when I went down there, and the 
thing that people have been saying is, oh, you're taking you're taking human feed and you're using it for fuel. One, I learned that it was number two corn, not human grade corn. It was more of an animal uh, feed. And then the distiller's grain that comes out once all that that uh, I guess that starch has been removed or the sugar's been removed. That distiller's grain just goes right back into cattle feed, doesn't it? That's exactly right. Yeah. So when we when we make um, bioethanol in the United States, we're using corn mainly, and it's number two yellow dent corn, like you said, that is grown primarily for animal feed and high fructose corn syrup and ethanol, frankly. And um, we only consume the starch of the corn kernel. That is, starch is globally abundant and very cheap. It's not the nutrients that animals need. They want the protein, the fiber, and the oil, all of which does go right back into the feed market and other markets uh, that can use those different products. So uh, we probably produce, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 different types of feed products depending on what type of animal is eating it and what type of uh, inclusion rates they have. But what people don't understand typically is that less than 1% of the corn grown in the United States is actually for human consumption. Almost all of it is grown as an industrial number two yellow dent product that is not going to be eaten by humans. But the byproduct of the ethanol process is used as a feed product that goes back to livestock producers at a discount to corn. So it's, a, it's an extremely popular feed product that we make, and it does not deplete any kind of nutrition uh, for humans at all. In fact, we add nutrition to the world. We don't deplete the world of nutrition. So, Tim, many years ago, I actually took a class right here at UGA through, uh, I think, their extension service about how to make biodiesel. Um, and it's a really interesting process. I mean, you literally can do it at home. One of the challenges with biodiesel production is that a byproduct is glycerin, and you've got to figure out something to do with it. Um, and it sounds like that's not the case with ethanol. But, Doug, like compared to biodiesel, which you said you guys also produce, like what does it look like to produce ethanol from these corn feedstocks? I mean, how complex a process is that? Well, from a high level, it's an extremely simple process. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are brewing beer in their kitchen. And our process at a high level isn't a whole lot different than that. We take in corn, we mash it up, we put it into a fermenter with enzymes and yeast, and then once that process is done, we separate the alcohol from the solids, purify the alcohol, that goes into the transport sector, and all those other products go into uh, all the other products that we were talking about. When you get when you get more into the processes, it gets you know fairly complex. But it's not hard to make alcohol, which bioethanol is just very purified alcohol. It's like uh, Everclear. Hmm. It's 200 proof alcohol, uh, and it works great as a fuel. Um, it, it burns cleaner, it's less expensive, uh, it's good for our economy, it's domestically produced, it creates American jobs, better for our environment, human health, you name it. I mean, the benefits are endless with, with bioethanol, really, um, and once you get to know it, um, you'll be really proud to burn, whether it's E85 or E15, whatever it might be. But... Um, 
today, you know, we've got this war in Ukraine going on. Russia and Ukraine are huge grain producers and energy producers. And we need to get more of our energy domestically. And that's exactly what ethanol is. It's clean it's available, it's affordable, it's great for your vehicles, um, it's great for our economy. We need more of that in a time like this. So, uh, Tim, you mentioned that you went to great lengths to find the E85 for your state vehicle. Um, and, uh, Doug, I'm, I'm wondering if you can kind of help uh, folks understand if they're interested in this. Maybe they've got a flex view- fuel vehicle at home. A lot of them have the little badges on them. Where can they find, you know, E15, you know, 15% ethanol? or E85, like like where do you go find ethanol as a fuel for your vehicle if you're someone just listening to the show? Sure, in, in Georgia, you can go to um, a website called getbiofuels.com and there's a tab in there called Fuel Finder and you just punch in the city name, um, you know, Atlanta, Georgia and it'll pop up, you know, 60 sites of different retailers that offer E15 and or E85. And there's Racetrack, Circle K, Exxon, Chevron, BP, all have stations that are offering these types of fuels. Now, E15 is, is good for all of the cars on the road. E85 is for flex fuel vehicles. So a lot of those flex fuel vehicles um, will just love the E85, but any car can run on the E15. And it's a lot less expensive. Doug, I know a lot of my landscape friends and boat friends. My son's in the Coast Guard. I mean, it's a lot of these people kind of poo-poo E85 and just any fuel with ethanol in general, and they'll go buy the ethanol-free fuel. But the vehicles that actually say flex fuel these vehicles they've been upfitted at the factory to be able to actually use the fuel right yeah absolutely there's really no difference in an engine between a flex fuel engine and a non-flex fuel engine the difference is really in the computer programming and the certification so um, ethanol is a high octane fuel and so your computer program um, tells your engine how to handle different types of octane. And so a non-flex fuel isn't programmed to understand an E85 from an octane standpoint, but it is, it will, it is understanding E15, E10. For those guys that are running small engines, boats, whatever it might be, I'm guessing basically every gallon of gasoline in Georgia has 10% ethanol in it. It's been there for years and years. You might not even know it. I don't know what the labeling requirements are there. E10, 10% ethanol is a certification fuel for the entire nation. Everybody has E10. When we talk about E15 and E85, we are talking about the next steps, the evolution of cleaner, better gasoline. That's really what we're talking about. Hey, just another minute as we wrap up. Where can folks find out more about POET and about ethanol in general? POET.com, P-O-E-T.com is our website. You can go in there. You can read all about what we do, what our industry does. Um, Our sustainability report is in there. Um, You can go to uh, growthenergy.org. That's the largest ethanol trade association in the country. They've got all kinds of 
um, facts, history, uh, data, locations, you name it. Uh, so those would be two really good sites to go to. Yeah, well, folks, if you want to know more about it here in Georgia, you can go to my cleanenergyroadshow.com website. We travel the state every summer and fall promoting alt fuels and helping people understand the difference in how they work. Casey, thanks for being a part of the show today. Yeah, it was great to have Doug here and a great show. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, guys. This is Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Have a great weekend, everyone. Energy Matters would like to thank Gas South for its support of the show. Gas South has a no deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. Gas South, the difference is good. Hello, Island friends. Let me tell you about Tim Eccles. Mr. Tim loves Georgia and helped keep our rates low. He knows everything about energy and has led by example. I hope you listen to his radio show called Energy Matters. Join me in supporting Tim. Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.